Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, if you want to get up to speed on remote patient monitoring, check out this episode with Dr. Thea Blystone. And if you're interested in hearing more about what I'm doing with maternal health, check out www.rxformom.com and reach out if you are a pediatric pharmacist or pharmacist interested in maternal health. I'm looking for others who are also passionate about that and want to help with some content. Or maybe you're also a mom and have questions just like I did. So reach out. Let me know what you think about this project. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Dr. Thea M. Blystone, is a visionary clinical consulting pharmacist dedicated to transforming the landscape of pharmacy. With a strong belief in leaving a lasting legacy, she mentors aspiring pharmacists and spearheads initiatives that shift the focus from dispensing to clinical care. Through TM Pharmacy Consulting, Dr. Blystone empowers healthcare providers to achieve exceptional patient outcomes and embrace the future of healthcare. With a passion for advancing the practice of pharmacy, she is a catalyst for change, shaping a new era of clinical evidence or clinical excellence within the pharmacy landscape around care management, value-driven services, all done remotely. Thea, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much, Hillary, for having me. I, um, I'm so honored to be here with you today. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah. So I am in Northwest Pennsylvania and uh, born and raised in this region. And I went to an inaugural class of pharmacy school back in 2005. And that was quite a bumpy ride. And so change has been in my middle name. I think um, I think it should be instead of M, it should be change or maybe the change symbol um, because I've never sat for um, the normal uh, life uh, pieces that uh, are usually given to us. So it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I am a clinical pharmacist doing the thing out here in the world of all different kinds of pharmacy and um, kind of done the gamut of pharmacy from independent to independent um, floating for different independents to floating for retail and long-term care. I've also done um, remote work back in 2012 doing remote MTMs. And then I went off into the hospital and worked my way up to second in charge of the health system and realized that not a lot of those experiences filled up my cup and um, for the pharmacy of profession, right? So um, I feel like Uh, I had to figure out what was going to fill up my cup. And when I realized it was around patient engagements, um, my world kind of shifted a bit away from dispensing and more into care management services and um, really try to support the community as, you know, rural America here in Northwestern Pennsylvania doesn't leave for a lot of healthcare providers. And so um, having a pharmacist on every corner is very important to the community and they utilize that service uh, to its fullest, I believe. Um, and so being, being there and, and being able to engage with those customers was super important to me. And that's kind of where I 
transitioned from a more dispensing model to more of the care model. Okay. That's super helpful. And uh, being from a small town or a rural area, I totally can get that. We definitely need to make, um, you know, leverage telehealth or remote monitoring. Um, So maybe you could kind of give us a little bit of background on that. What is remote patient monitoring? And tell us a little bit more about um, some of the opportunities for pharmacy in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so remote patient monitoring is one of Medicare's preventative um, services for um, the beneficiaries, Medicare beneficiaries. And um, it's in a slew of other things called like chronic care management is another one, principal care management. A lot of people have heard about transition of care management. Um, new this year is the chronic pain management initiatives and services through Medicare and Medicaid in most states. Um, so, you know, remote patient monitoring or its more formal name, remote physiological monitoring is really just that, um, really just a preventative service to meet the patient where they are and share the data to the physician um, so that we can kind of keep an eye on what um, the patient is doing at home and how their regimens are working for them and, and how they're doing between visits. Um, pretty much all of these services really target high-risk patients. Um, they want to protect or detect maybe um, declining health ahead of problems, um, responding in, in a timely manner to, to get the care that the patient needs and really personalize their health care. Um, and in all of it, it enhances you know, the patient's outcome, um, coordinates care a little bit more, and really gives some accountability back to the patient to know that um, we're helping them and we care about them and they need to do their part in that too. And the engagement and buy-in is huge. So um, with remote patient monitoring specifically, I you know, work with physicians collaboratively and um, get patients that need these services, whether it's, um, you know, there's some chronic conditions that I would say are probably more prevalent in this area. Um, uh, COPD, um, congestive heart failure, um, you know, diabetes, you can watch that as well as even hypertension. Um, those are kind of the, the main four. I do a lot with the renal docs. Um, so the nephrologists in the, in the area, um, really helping them with their, um, diuretic patients and CHF patients, um, and really just getting a scale out to the patient's home and, and doing, um, monitoring of, you know, weight gains, you know, um, kind of concerns as to whether or not the medications are working for them. Um, the di- Diabetes arena, um, you kind of have twofold. You can um, plug into some of the continuous glucose monitoring and have that pulled into the platform so- software and, um, you, you know, run the system through the CGM that the patient has, or you can send them out a glucometer that attaches to the platform and really allowing those meter readings to come in, um, just like they would use the four times a day um, glucometers at home, but just allowing us to capture the data. Um, I do have a lot of patients on blood pressure. Um, This year, blood pressure quality measure has um, been kind of tightened down and enhanced, I would say, Um, being now to some um, measures, quality measures, it's triple weighted to have patients who have hypertension um, to be really under that 140 over 90 mark. And so I have had a lot of influx in um, blood pressure control for uh, patients in the Medicare, Medicaid region as well um, because of those 
uh, triple weighted HEDIS measures that they're trying to meet at different offices or health systems. So that one has been had a big push. Um, and then COPD has another big push, you know, the air quality. I don't know, Hillary, if where you are, um, the air quality has been affected by the, the fires in Canada. But here in northwestern Pennsylvania, we have been and um, patients, COPD patients are having trouble um, with their breathing and utilizing their rescue inhalers and that kind of stuff. And so sending them out a pulse ox monitor really helps um, kind of see where they are and then kind of helps engage them with when to, or I guess maybe when to know to use their inhalers, maybe um, outside of just having shortness of breath or like, I'm always short of breath, but how do I know when to use it? And um, delivering devices to the patient's home really allow us to kind of give the education to the patient, put some um, self-management tips and tricks in their basket to be able to utilize and then really help augment that coordination of care between visits. Um, you know, most providers see their patients for seven minutes at each encounter, and most of the time you're there for an acute need, not for your chronic needs. And so, you know, when are these medications being managed or, you know, under the scope of are they even working um, and, and take a look at them? And this, these programs really help us engage the patient and be able to do that and really personalize the care out to, um, out to the patient's homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really helpful. Thanks for giving some of the most common conditions uh, that it's utilized and, and some specific examples. And um, I'm down in Nashville, and so it gets pretty hot and humid here in the summer. Um, so definitely get some of those air quality alerts just for that uh, on the weather app and things. Um, but yes, all kinds of things to consider, such as uh, fires, et cetera. So, um, Thea, walk us through now, is, are you, um, you know, there's obviously some great things, you know, pharmacists have been working in the ambulatory setting for a long time. Um, they're embedded in clinics, but, you know, also with, through this, uh, monitoring patients, um, remotely, are you working with the physicians to then find patients or are you finding patients and then um, walk us through how how that kind of looks? Yeah, I've really done it both ways, Hillary. I found patients that wanted to work with me because they heard through the grapevine that I'm doing a great job for this other patient that I found through a provider. Um, so it's kind of full circle there. It becomes full circle. But what I'm doing is I'm coordinating through TM Pharmacy Consulting and my new company, Tenco Health, um, coordinating or and collaborating with providers and facilities to work with their patients. So going to the facility and the providers and asking to work with their patients through a consulting company um, or service model delivery system. Um, that allows for me to engage the buy-in from the physician and office staff and even the physician themselves to really um, understand the program and then know that, you know, they don't have, most of the time they don't have the staff or the manpower to be able to um, offer more programs, especially coming out of COVID and the restrictions and the, the financial burden that COVID, we're, we're all cleaning up from after COVID, right? And um, so really allowing the 
the office to have a clinical pharmacist without having the cost of a clinical pharmacist, really doing collaboration and um, the service delivery through that service agreement and just sharing the revenue that is brought in by by billing these codes out under the physician's, um, you know, billables um, NPI. So um, here in Pennsylvania, I don't have a provider status here. And, you know, um, that kind of takes away a little bit. But I think um, when we look at the coordination of care as a whole for a patient, I think it makes just as much sense to work with the providers through a service agreement um, to be able to get to the patients um, and, and be able to care for them between those visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's interesting. Now, um, another thing uh, that you know you've kind of mentioned is you've set up your own consulting shop. Um, how are you helping others to do this same thing? Like you, you know, you're based in Pennsylvania, but of course we've got scope of practice laws, and so um, you know. Unless you're licensed in Tennessee, for example, you wouldn't be able to do, to do those um, uh, for Tennessee patients. So how are you um, spreading the word about what you're doing to other pharmacists? Yeah, um, that's a great way to leave the legacy, right? I've, I talked about that in the intro of, or you, you read about that in the intro um, about leaving the legacy. And this is where I find um, I've created this over the last five years, a model that can is replicable in across areas and in across communities, because every community across the country needs someone advocating for them between visits, the patients between advocating for the patients between visits, you know, and so um, I feel I felt the urge on the inside to share what I've done and um, have created a mentorship program that um, really helps deliver upon um, setting up something like this, whether it's in a pharmacy, if you're an independent pharmacy owner and want an implementation process, or maybe you're a pharmacist that just wants to build something on the side and, you know, really dive into this and build it up so that you can leave your retail job or add this to a retail job. Those are all different ways that I was able to create um, this this program and, and build over the last five years is really do it that way. And so I felt the urge to really share that with a community of pharmacists because I feel that, you know, when we look at medication regimens, Um, you know, when we look at care management services, pharmacists know how to care chronically for patients. We know how to do the medication reconciliation and med um, therapeutic monitoring reviews, um, you know, the medication therapeutic management um, reviews. And so, um, these these services are an addition of that. Like you take the MTMs that we know how to do and add two or three things and you've got these same services, um, you know, the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed for Medicare to be able to bill these through, it and, um, through the insurance at physician offices. So it's work pharmacists know how to do and um, deliver really well, good results on it, um, so much so that there's companies doing just MTMs, right? So um, really being able able to excel the patient's um, response to our um, input and our education and support to them um, really just drove me to want to share this knowledge. Um, 
I unfortunately did not have a mentor that was able to walk the walk ahead of me kind of thing. Um, they, my mentors knew about the programs and they were able to help me, um, but, but they really didn't do the work that I was setting out to do and really expand chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, principal care management services to my community. And so I felt the urge to share what I've learned over the last five years with other pharmacists, because, you know, when we look at the the landscape of pharmacy right now, you know, you have Mark Cuban involved, you have Amazon involved, you have um, all of these PBMs that are causing a lot of problems throughout the economy for pharmacies. And, you know, what, what are pharmacists going to be doing in 10 years if we don't step into the role of a more clinical manner? Um, to me, drones are going to be delivering my my um, medication to my house, uh, to my doorstep here soon. And so it's like, how are pharmacists going to be utilized at that point? And, and I feel this is some of the future of pharmacy right here. Um, and I just felt the urge to share that and leave a legacy on the pharmacy community um, as big as I can make it. Um, and that's why I created the mentorship program and I'm actually working on a um, on a membership program um, that the course will all be imp- implanted into a membership. But at currently, it's supposed to be launching here in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see how that goes. But the, the mentorship program really does align for pharmacists to learn from what I've been able to do and take the short road um, versus the long road and the blood, sweat, and tears as well. Mm-hmm. Love that. I love it when people have been able to find a successful model and then uh, scale what they're doing and then help to teach others. Uh, you know, we've had some successes uh, across the states um, at, with provider status, uh, as you mentioned, or of course you can do um, some work through collaborative practice agreements uh, really across the country. But, um, you know, even if we've had some successful policy changes, it doesn't always mean that it's been implemented. Um, and so the adoption rate has been lagging a little bit. I heard a stat that, you know, even though Tennessee has provider status, there's a very limited number of pharmacists that are taking advantage of that. So um, I think all that we can do to kind of help um, pharmacists to uh, make some diversified uh, revenue streams from, you know, leveraging our, our clinical knowledge is great. So, um, amazing. Well, Thea, tell us a little bit more about, um, where, you know, people can go and find out more about that, that you're doing, or, you know, if they want to set up their own, um, what were, what were some of the biggest, uh, pitfalls and then maybe, Um, some of your biggest uh, tips for, you know, setting up their own practice uh, with a, with a physician uh, to provide this? Yeah, those are great questions, Hillary. I think um, starting with the, the, how, how did I get started and what were some of the pitfalls? I think um, the biggest one was in my own mindset of being able to go out and, and sell a service that I knew I was capable of doing, but really hadn't done yet. Um, that piece of it, there was a lot of mindset shifting on, okay, I have the knowledge that I need. And when I engage with a patient at a pharmacy counter, I knock it out of the park. Like 
I know how to talk to a patient. And I feel most pharmacists are like that, right? Like they know how to talk to patients, but when they have to try to sell something in order to talk to patients, it kind of gets blurry and it kind of gets hard because you now have to be a salesperson on, oh, this is a great service. You need this service for your patients. And in that piece, the hardest part for me was to keep my eye on the prize of I am not selling my service to the physician. I am trying to work with their patients and enhance their patient encounters with these physicians. And when my mind shifted on that and really got to the end goal was for me to work with patients like I know how to do. And with that, I was able to explain it a little bit differently and get out of my own way of talking through the process of, of trying to quote unquote, sell myself to the physicians in order for them to work with me. Um, because I, I light up when I get to talk about visit or, you know, I light up when I get to talk about patient encounters and what the experiences have been working with me with the patients. And um, that piece of it was a huge transition for me um, and a major pitfall to at the beginning too, um, because I couldn't figure out a way to sell myself to these physicians in order to get in the door. And when I took a step back a minute and really looked at the end goal, it was talk about my patient encounters because that's what I'm good at. And that comes through in the messaging of why these services are so important. Um, and, you know, I can be found all, all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn, um, uh, Thea Blystone over there. I'm on RPH Ally working with a group of the, the trailblazers there at RPH Ally. I have a channel called Remote Care Services um, over on RPH Ally. If you don't know what that is, it's a, it's a I call it the combination of YouTube and LinkedIn specific for pharmacists. That's kind of, um, it's got uh, reels and lives and um, definitely some news feeds in there and really just specific to pharmacists, pharmacy students and pharmacy technicians. Um, really just building an environment over there at RPHLI for education and, and services and diversification outside of the normal model of dispensing. So I'm over there a lot. Um, I can also be found, and more information can be found on my website at TMRS tmrx.care. Um, tmrx.care again is that website. And there's a, a lot of information in there. And, and so much so that if you're interested, you can book a book a call with me, a discovery call. We can talk more about, you know, is is a mentorship program in these care services right for, for the listeners, for sure. Awesome. So Thea, as our final question that I love to ask all of our guests, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Be open to change and keep going um, because everything seems to iron itself out when you're able to take the change that you're faced with and, and keep moving, um, despite whether or not your opinion on it, whether you like it or not, um, it changes happening, changes all around us, especially we've seen it so much so over the last few years on how everything is changing and, um, you know, the things we can control and the things we can't control are changing and, and how we're dealing with that. I think um, that has been one of the biggest ways of 
moving forward and moving the needle on to success the next chapters, um, chapter after chapter. I um, didn't really go into my personal life too much, Hillary, but I did find myself homeless uh, with two kids, uh, three bags and a truck I couldn't afford with no job. And that was back in 2015. And, you know, I I look back on those moments and I, I can, can literally say change is hard. Yes, it is. But you have to keep moving one foot in front of the other and be open to the change and what it brings to the next chapter. And um, I feel like it has been an amazing ride for me. And I wouldn't um, I would tell every student out there, pharmacy student or any student, um, that change is going to be hard for everyone and it's going to happen to us all. Life is going to get in our own ways here sometimes and um, just be open to the change and find the good in it and you'll find the next chapter and, and be successful. Oh, wow. Well, Thea, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much, Hillary. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 